All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you today by our friends over at Crown Royal. Generosity lives in the small things. It doesn't need money, an audience, or even acknowledgement. It just needs a few good people. Crown Royal, crown everything. There are a few good people in this studio at the iconic Sheraton Wall Center. Harmon Dial, David Guadrelli, and our technical producer, Grady Sass here to break down a 5-2 Canucks loss at the hands of the Colorado Avalanche. Before that, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I was dying laughing at your Jim <laughs> Rutherford impressions before the show started. So, Well, it wasn't even just Rutherford, and people on the show have heard my Rutherford impression before, but like I've got impressions of a lot of people, as you've just heard. And that's something I, I bust them out every once in a while on the show, sometimes by accident when I'm just rehashing what a person said. I'll just bust into an impression of that person. Um but yeah, I had a good favor impression for a bit. I, I'll bust that out at another point. But there was a time, and old, this is old, old listeners of the show will know this. I think I was still like 19 at the time. So like four years ago. But Faber and I had just started doing the show together. And he was away for something. Or he needed me to do a mic test. And I was, he's like, yeah, just try to sound like me. And I was like, all right. So he like wanted me to do a mic test for him. So I did an impression of him. I, you know what? I don't even want to do it live because I need. I think I need to do it at least once. You need to practice. It. I need to practice it. But I, when I did it, it was just automatic. I just had the favor impression, and it was the like intro that he would do. I just said it, and it sounded exactly like him. And he, we had a good laugh about that. But one day I'll bust out the favor impression. No, seriously. As the intro was rolling, I'm like, I don't know if I can keep it together <laughs> and not start uncontrollably, uncontrollably laughing because. The Rutherford impression was like 30 seconds before we went live. So uh, great way to set a positive mood for the show. We had some fun. We had some fun right before the show. I, you know, I, I did impressions of uh, like this was when I was like in high school. I used to do a really good like Henrik and Daniel Sedin impression. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I won't do it on the show right now. But when I was like 16, 17 years old, I had a really good impression of those guys. You gotta you gotta practice some of these, refine them, pick your best few, and then one like maybe maybe listeners will will get one per week or something. We'll do we'll do we'll do one minute long interviews. We'll do one with Chris Faber. We'll do one with Henrik Sedin, and it'll just be me on the phone. Anyways, uh, like I said, Crown Royal is our sponsor today, presenting you this very show. Uh, but 
we have to talk about the loss, the 5-2 loss in Colorado for the Vancouver Canucks. We're going to be joined later by Dave Hall, and he's going to give us some prospect updates, but it's the subject of our poll question. Um, our poll question today is, are you worried about Elias Pettersson? But before we get to that, Harmon, your thoughts on the game, aside from the Elias Pettersson conversation that we're going to have later. Yeah, so I think it's a, it's important to set the context before we discuss the performance, which is that the Colorado Avalanche are an absolute powerhouse. Mm -hmm. Them getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs last year because of a weird year where they ran through so many injuries is an anomaly. That team is built so well up and down the lineup. And especially with the state of the Canucks' blue line, we were talking about, oh, is this a litmus test for the Canucks? I always viewed it, and yes, it was a test in some sense, but... Clearly, to me, the Avs are a team that is a, a stratosphere above the Canucks. And so with that context in mind, yes, there were parts of the Canucks' performance that I didn't like. There are areas that need to be cleaned up, and we're going to talk about that. But by and large, for right up until Kale McCarr scored that back-breaking fourth goal, I actually thought there were a lot of positives in the way that the Canucks were controlling play, and they looked like they belonged up until that point. And... We'll, of course, get into the few areas where I didn't like their performance and Pedersen's form needs to be a lot better. That line as a whole needs to be producing more. But despite what the 5-2 scoreline says, I thought the Canucks hung around pretty decently. The topic of the Statsies today, our analytics-based post-game report over at CanucksArmy.com, written by Mike Liu, the title, The Statsies, a more even game than the scoreline suggests. And as Mike goes into in that article it was a much more even game like yes it's a 5-2 final score but the Canucks were right in that game and obviously Kilmacar kind of scores the back-breaking goal to put the avalanche ahead four to two but a really strong game for JT Miller and I think that's where I want to start is JT Miller's been good all season long but I think he's really stepped it up lately and he's been fantastic especially given the context of he's this team's first line center right now and he's him and Quinn Hughes are basically having to do everything for this team right now. JT Miller's killing penalties. He's on the power play. He's being efficient at five on five. And look, I don't think it's any secret. Two games now. Dan Riccio sending out tweets about PDG's audition in the top six maybe being over. When Dan Riccio's tweeting bad things about PDG, you know we're nearing the end of it. And Miller is still performing despite his line mates maybe not being at their best. All the respect in the world for JT Miller and what he's doing for this team right now. That turnover at the end, <clears throat> excuse me, it came after multiple hard back checks break up what would be sure opportunities for the Colorado Avalanche. So we talk about the forwards coming back in the context of breaking the puck out. Also matters a lot when you're coming back to defend against the rush. And JT Miller had at least two, maybe three instances in that game where those are sure, surefire, grade A tap-in chances for the Avs that Miller comes back and breaks up. I broke that down more in the Stanchies last night, but on the topic of Miller, that 4-2 goal, to me, that's just the second best, maybe best to some people, defenseman in the league right now, just outsmarting you. Like, JT tried to cycle the puck back around and tried to turn around, and Kill McCarr was just there. Like, Kill McCarr was just waiting for him. And Kill McCarr picked it up, went the other way. Grady loved that because he won a bet off of it, but um, Kill McCarr scores the goal. Obviously, goal and assist for Kill McCarr. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I, I thought it was a really strong game for JT Miller. Um, that back-breaking goal. Again, I know it's Miller that turns over the puck, but it's that's not a JT Miller turnover. Yeah, and we've even seen over the last few games, Quinn Hughes occasionally turn the puck over and it ends up in the back of the net. It happens when you're a top player that has the puck in your stick all the time. And again... Decision-making wise, it wasn't as if he was forcing a low percentage east-west pass that got picked off. Exactly. The blue line where you're like, that's just a boneheaded decision. It was a mistake, but it happens. I mean, the power move that he had, just bullying Devon Taves. I love the, the first of all, the misdirection where he was coming up on the rush and 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 his head was looking past, and then it was the change of speed, and then obviously banking the puck off his skate through Georgiev off. Ridiculous. And then you know, the way he was leaning on Taves and then just snap it 
that high picking the corner that was pretty unbelievable when we point out where the Canucks fell short in that Colorado game to me it starts with of course you can point with point to Pedersen absolutely you can point to the power play especially in light of Colorado's man advantage scoring but big picture it was Colorado's forwards had it way too easy getting to the front of the net when you think about Nuchushkin's power play goal, for example, Hronik yep. is right there. He can't allow that pass across. Hronik has to make a decision if he's going to the shooter or if he's going to the pass. He got caught in no man's land. I think Ray broke that down pretty well in the broadcast, Exactly. Too. And yeah. it's not easy, but you have to break break that up. The Druan goal, how can he be uncontested yep. in front? Noah Juleson was on the ruin. They showed the replay of that goal. He was tracking Juan in front of the net. Juleson's the defender who should be responsible there. And for whatever reason, he, he for a few seconds right before the goal, uh, just lost sight and was looking around and wasn't even close to Juan. And he wasn't marking anybody. If you leave a man right in front of your goaltender and you got a shot from distance... That's just too easy. You've you've got to be right on him. You got to be boxing boxing him out. You can't let a forward like that uh, get control, especially because of Jonathan Drouin. That's not he's not a big power forward type that consistently excels in those in those areas. He's more a player that is typically created with his skill. And then the Riley Tuft uh, Tufty goal as well. Uh, Cole caught a little bit off balance. It was a bit of a weird play, point shot, of course, but that's another play you want to win those net front battles and on and the inverse was that the Canucks had a lot of zone time but what Colorado did well was they prevented the Canucks from being able to generate a lot of grade a chances because they owned that inner slot they owned the crease sort of area Uh, Canucks would have puck control but it a lot of it would be on the perimeter I thought Noah Juleson had a pretty strong game aside from that goal but that's just what's going to happen when you're, you know, you're not an NHL defenseman and you're playing against a team like Colorado. Like, look, we've we've been saying for a few days, it feels like the Noah Juleson experiment needs to start coming to an end. But with Mark Friedman going down, with Tyler Myers going down, we're still waiting for updates on both of those guys. Like, this blue line could be in an even worse situation than they were last game and recently. They could be in a worse situation. That is a very scary thought. So we'll find out who's going to get called up if the Canucks need to make a call up in our prospect roundup segment. We'll get to poll question and all the other stuff about the game after. I just want to get to Dave here. Um, In our prospect roundup segment, sponsored by our friends at Four Winds Brewing. Family owned and operated in Delta, home of the Four Winds Light, Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy drinking beer. A beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Let's bring them in. Dave Hall, Canucks Army's prospect guru, who's been doing a fantastic job filling the large shoes of Chris Favor. Dave, how's it going today? Dave, we need you to unmute your mic. How about that? How about that? No. We're Classic. not in? No, you're good. You're good now. Classic. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> uh, I got to start by talking a little crap here. Uh, Archer Seelovs, he's got his groove back, doesn't he? Um, talk about him. Where's his game at right now, uh, especially in comparison to where it was earlier this season? Yeah, so he, he's bounced back. Um, I mean, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to get into any post-integration stuff here. Uh, you know, I can't break down the exact game. But, yeah, he's looked good. Obviously, he's letting three goals in the past four games, and he's just he's just looked a lot better. I will say one thing to keep in mind is that the defense as a whole has just gotten a little more sound. Uh, the first the starting the first couple of games were just brutal. And you could tell that there were just some system breakdowns. And although he did let in some squeakers, but uh, it just you could tell that the defense was just nowhere near where it is right now. So I think as a whole, the team is playing a lot better. But uh, yeah, Silas has bounced back and it's been great. Dave, we haven't heard a lot about Abbotsford lately just because we've been so focused on this wagon of a <laughs> NHL team. What? has gone down in Abbotsford, especially with some of the top prospects since we last spoke to you? 
Well, they're on a heater right now. It, it was, things were a little touch and go for a while, but they've won five straight, I believe it is. And the only thing that sucks right now is they're not playing a lot. They now they had a stretch of like five games and seven nights, and now they're only playing weekends. So for the next month, they only have a couple games, which sucks. But they're they're firing. They've had some injuries, but they've had some people step up. The line of Atu Ratu and Linus Carlson and Max Hassan has been electric. They've been by far the most consistent line that the Abbotsford Canucks have right now. Uh, I think they've combined for 15 points as a trio in the last five games. So they're just firing hard right now. Um, of course, Claude Colson came back the weekend. He didn't put up any points, but he's he's looked really good. He's taking shots. Uh, love the half wall play. He's just ripping one-timers from the side, which is nice. Um, but yeah, just overall, they've been playing really well. Um, I just really like that Atu Ratu, Linus Carlson, and Maxis online. Speaking of that uh, Ratu line, what do you think is making them click and work so well right now? Well, it, I, they, for whatever reason, they've just seemed to find something together. But I think the thing that I really like about their game is that they're not just trying to put up points. They're all three of them are grinding hard. Um, Max Hassan and Alanis Carlson, we always knew that that was going to be a part of their game. But it's just nice to see all three of them getting into the dirty areas, never quitting on any plays and just getting greasy goals when they need to. Uh, it's just been a really nice thing to see. They've just they've just found this random chemistry that I think they were a little shocked themselves because, you know, as we know, Ratu, he's supposed to play in the center. They kind of, their whole plan, I think, was to kind of keep him in that third line center role. But even with uh, the injuries coming back, they just pretty much had to stick with this line because they've just worked so well together for whatever reason. Dave, in this week's Blackfish report, you wrote about Tom Willander's point streak. Can you talk more about that? Like, what's going on with Tom Willander right now? Yeah, uh, they had a random uh, matinee game yesterday, and his point streak did uh, finish, unfortunately, with three three games. But, uh, yeah, he's finally got that. He's finally putting up the points that we knew he could. Like, for the the previous games, although they haven't been spectacular, he was still getting opportunities. Um, They just weren't, you know, the whoever was passing to just wasn't going in. So he's finally got uh, some points, which was nice. He finally got that goal at seeing eye shot from the point. Um, but overall, I mean, the thing that we should be getting excited about is on the defensive end anyways. The offense we're hoping will come, um, but ultimately that's not really what makes his game. So overall, it's just nice to see him finally get the points for the people that love to, to stat watch. But uh, overall, I don't, I haven't been worried about his game, whatever. In fact, I've just been so impressed with just everything that he brings to the table, especially on the defensive side. Friedman and uh, Myers each sort of got banged up and missed a little bit of time uh, in the game last night. If the Canucks need extra reinforcements on the blue line, who should be the next one or two uh, player defensemen they look at from Abbotsford and in, in deserving a recall? Yeah. The million dollar question. This is where, you know, we've been on a honeymoon for a while. We we talked about this so much at the start of the season. You know, things were going so well, but when those injuries start to pile up, it's going to be dicey and we're at that point. So I think the easy, what I would like to see, I think the easiest que- uh, answer to that question is Akito Rose stays up. Um, hopefully we'll land in. He was banged up all last weekend, so he actually missed both their games. Not totally sure uh, on an update on him, but assuming he's healthy, I think the easy answer is to actually finally move Cole to the right side, bump up Willannon, just have Willannon just play in the top four, and then just have Akito, Hirose, and Juleson just, you know, do their thing on the bottom bottom third. Um, again, I don't know what's going on with Willannon right now, so assuming he's out... That's where it gets a little tricky. I think the easy answer is to just bring up McWard for now. Um, if it's a quick a quick couple game stint, McWard's easy because he doesn't have to clear waivers. You bring him up, um, you, you plug him in the third line role, and we just see where it goes, and then you just drop him down easy. If it is a little bit longer term for Myers, I actually think I'm finally trending towards going the direction of Jet Wu. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I just think... For one thing, I would like to see McWard just stick in the AHL and just let him eat those minutes, just get the get the time that he needs rather than just rush him up. But, I mean, with Wu, he he honestly kind of profiles the same as Mark Friedman at this point. You know, they're somewhat similar size. They play some uh, similar profile games. You know, just they, they, they muck it up. They kill penalties, all that stuff. So I think if it's longer term, I don't mind Jet Wu coming up and at least trying him out to see what he does. I just think he's earned it. He's played pretty well. He's not going to give you anything spectacular, but like I said, he's pretty much just Mark Freeman who's not going to give you anything spectacular either. So I think long-term 
Trial Jet Wu, um, but of course he has to clear waivers. So if it's short term, that's not ideal. And let's just say McWard. But then you run into the the inevitable problem. What are you going to throw Akito Hirose and Cole McWard as a pairing in the yeah. NHL? I just, I don't know. So maybe finally you break up Hironic and Quinn Hughes. You put McWard up with, I don't know. It, no matter no matter what scenario happens, it's it's difficult. So I think the easiest answer is just get Will Annan up if he's healthy, move Cole to the right side. But it's going to be touch and go, that's for sure. Dave, it's the subject of our poll question today. Are you worried about Elias Pettersson? I mean, short answer, no. I, we've seen these struggles before, and he's come out of it, um, you know, swimmingly. Just this time last week, we were talking about, you know, how amazing he is. And so I, I think for me, the bigger question is what's wrong with him and what are the Canucks doing to to you know help him out I, i'm just it, it, it's if it's nothing too serious it's hard to keep him out of the lineup but at the same time if he is ailing it might be time to give him a, a night off maybe i i don't know so in i'm not really so worried about his game because like i said he's he's proven that he can bounce back and just figure it out but i just think long term here what's what is going on They're, especially with like the balance you see him just like falling and yeah um it just seems like something's off and you know, I've, I've actually been following this closely with like Kirill Kaprizov over in Minnesota. I've heard the exact same thing where he just seems there's something that seems to be off. And I think it's the same thing where there's just something lingering there. That's just, that's going on. And maybe it's just time to give him a break. I don't know. We're going to break that down quite a bit in our next segment, Dave. Thank you as always for joining us. Great stuff as always, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Dave Hall, ladies and gentlemen, you can go read his stuff over at CanucksArmy.com. Now, there's another article that people like to read at Canucks Army. And Grady, sorry to throw this at you real quick, but we're going to do the uh, Black Friday nationgear.ca deals. That's what we're going to talk about right now. So as people can see, as I give Grady like a little bit of time to pull up the graphics of what we're selling, um, I've got my Canucks Army gear on right now. These hats aren't for sale anymore. They're very exclusive. They're behind us. We give them away sometimes at our watch parties, but you can't buy them for different reasons. We're not going to get into that, but... Stuff like this, this sweater that I'm wearing, you can go buy this right now at nationgear.ca. There is another new line for Black Friday, an exclusive uh, Black Friday blackout line of clothing that we're selling. And some of it says Stanchi's Reader. There's a hat that says Stanchi's Reader, uh, and I really like it. So be sure to go check it out, nationgear.ca. And here we go. Unleash the darkness with the Nation Gear Blackout Collection. Embrace the bold and gear up with all new styles of our exclusive line only available for a limited time. Don't miss out on grabbing your favorite team's gear in the baddest styles before they're gone. Get the perfect gift for your favorite fan. Order before December 10th so you can put your presents under the tree. Plus, if you spend $200, you qualify for free shipping. Check it out. And there it is. At a boy, Grady. Sorry, I didn't give you any warning there. Black Friday blackout over at nationgear.ca. I, I think we're gonna have to get you some stuff. Get you some Stanchies reader. Let's go. Headwear. <laughs> All right. Our thanks again to Dave Hall. Uh, okay, it's time. Anything else from the game that you wanted to get to before we get to the poll question and Elias Pedersen? Because we're gonna talk about Pedersen, but we also need to talk about his line mates. Because I texted this to you and Grady last night while we were all watching the game. It just feels like right now, Andre Kuzmenko is using like Jay Beagle's sticks right now. As soon as the puck touches his stick, offense dies. Like the offense just dies as soon as the puck gets to Andre Kuzmenko. And like I said, I don't know if it's he's using the old Jay Beagle line. I don't know what's going on right now. But when you're Elias Patterson and you're clearly going through something, Patrick Johnson was on Scaris and Price today and he wonders if it's a groin injury um ailing Elias Patterson because as Dave also pointed out he is going down easier than we're used to like you know Patterson's obviously he does go down often I think more than most players but right now it's just like he he looks like Bambi sometimes it's crazy how Elias Patterson's going down so easily and you wonder Patrick wonders if it's a groin thing again I don't know what it is but something's clearly bugging Elias Patterson so I just when you're struggling the way he is right now, you need your line mates to be going. And right now, I don't think Ilya Mikheyev or especially Andre Kuzmenko are going right now. Well, I don't think you can point the finger at Mikheyev because exactly he's not supposed to drive that line. He's a complimentary piece. And since he's returned to the Canucks' lineup, he's tied with Quinn Hughes. 
for the team lead with six five and five goals. Mm-hmm. He also leads the team in that stretch in terms of five and five shots and 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 high danger chances. So he's doing as good of a job as he can. Ten points in sixteen games. For me, the big sort of problem outside of Pedersen is Kuzmenko. Now at this rate, I think uh, first of all we all know that if this if this continues, I don't think Kuzmenko is going to be allowed back in Bali for another summer. Yeah, of, I'm going to uh, guess no. Yeah, but. Watching him play right now, it seems as if even when he's making a nifty little maneuver, it's sort of done in a situation where, okay, he might create space in one spot, but there's he, he's not in a prime offensive situation to actually turn it into a scoring chance. Yep. Uh, it just feels like he's not getting enough puck touches in quality locations, especially on the inside. The For example, the backdoor tap-ins have practically disappeared he's not getting any of those those sorts of looks which it's tough to sort of determine okay how much of that is also tethered to Pedersen himself struggling because Pedersen we all know is the main straw that stirs the drink for that line and and what Pedersen does so well when he's at his best is he's able to draw multiple defenders towards him like a magnet and that allows Kuzmenko to sort of fly under the radar and find that soft ice. So for as much as Kuzmenko is struggling to have these dynamic flashes, I also wonder how much of it is, okay, if Pedersen isn't able to create extra space for his line mates, like it, it, it almost hinders Kuzmenko's ability to cook as well. Yes, absolutely. And I just wonder with Kuzmenko, you, you, we've pointed out that Pedersen is obviously the, Straw that stirs the drink. I almost said the stir that stirs. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but Grady, you had something you wanted to say. i waiting for you there. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I've, I've just noticed a couple of times when Kuzmenko, like he'll dance himself into position and he'll open up space. But when he's about to get his shot off, he stops moving his feet and almost becomes too stationary. And there was a play last night where Defender just kind of closed in on him. And I, can't, I forget if they like lifted his stick or just got there as their stick on his but he just seems like he doesn't realize how much time he has to get the shot off and he's kind of just stuck there and it's almost too late and he can't quite separate himself from that defender to kind of close in and get the shot off it reminds me a lot of what we heard from Tockett about making the move and then you're not in a prime scoring opportunity you make the move and then you have another wall to go through and then you're kind of stuck you don't have anywhere to go from there it's just look Tockett didn't necessarily say that was about Kuzmenko but he did say in the same press conference or the press conference the day before that Kuzmenko's got to pick it up like that was the quote from Talkit is he was asked about if it was a benching yeah Kuzi's got to pick it up that's what he said that is what Rick Talkit said about Andre Kuzmenko and I think it's very hard to disagree right now but on the other hand or sorry go on well I was gonna say what Talkit was sort of referencing in terms of you make one nice dazzling move but then you've got another obstacle to get through which is difficult so it's not really turning into a scoring chance that applies not only for Kuzmenko but for Pedersen as well because the last handful of games anytime I do see him finally sort of beating a defender in one-on-one situation it's it's as if he's in a spot where he's entering the offensive zone closer to the wall and he has another player that he has to beat Mm -hmm. and then it's the second guy that is stripping him of the puck in a lot of these situations. A lot of interaction in the chat right now. People are asking if Pedersen might just be sad. So let's get to our poll question. <laughs> our poll question. Yeah, people are, is, is Pedersen sad? That's what Sour Laundry said. Why would he be sad? They're winning know. boatloads of hockey games. He's not playing great. And that's what we're going to talk about. Well, he's Pedersen. Uh, is the subject of our Atlas Goods poll question. Bring it up here, Grady. Uh, brought to you by our friends over at Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order of Pop Rinds, best fresh pork rind straight from your microwave or air fryer. Our poll question today, are you at all worried about Elias Pedersen? Yes, starting to worry, not worried. And as always, I'm angry. 43%, the majority of the vote, Harmon, say I am starting to worry about Elias Pettersson. 33% of people say I'm not worried and 22% just say flat out yes, I am worried about Elias Pettersson. So 
if you combine yes and the starting to worry crowd, there are more people worrying about Elias Patterson or close to worrying about Elias Patterson than there are people who are not worried about Elias Patterson. 2% say they are angry. I think Grady just wants to quickly chime in on PD. Yeah, let's hear it. Have you guys noticed, like, the last few games, he's just falling over so much. Yeah. And at five on five, like, he's just not creating, opening up space for himself, like, you know, projecting the next play before it happens, kind of, you know, envisioning, okay, here's where the puck needs to go. Here's where I need Kuzmenko to be at backdoor. We're not just seeing that, like, cerebral, um, you know, ability for him to kind of see things happen before they do. This has been happening for a while. Four points in his last seven games, a minus eight plus minus rating during that stretch of time, and just one goal in his past seven games. And, you know, plus minus is obviously a bit of a flawed stat. We talk about that all the time. But last night, on the ice for three goals against, two of which were at even strength. That's not what we're used to seeing from Elias Patterson. Great, I think you make a great point about him falling over a little bit more and it being kind of noticeable. Makes you wonder if it's a lower body thing. Like we said, PJ threw that out on Sakaris and Price today. Makes you wonder. I don't know what's wrong with him, but there is something clearly off with Elias Patterson right now. He's like, we've seen this for a while this season now, but Harmon, what was the conversation you and I had the first week you were here doing the show was right now we're seeing Patterson clearly not at his best in terms of like two-way ability and everything we're used to seeing from Pedersen, but he's still putting up points and he was doing it even though we knew he wasn't at a hundred percent. He didn't look like himself. He was still finding a way to pick up points. We talked about how Connor McDavid's done that in years past when he goes through tough stretches, he's still putting up points. Now the points aren't coming for Elias Pedersen. So are you worried about Elias Pedersen Harmon? Worry might be too strong of a word, but I am a tad concerned. I'm starting to get a tad concerned. Watching him play right now, the biggest difference, in addition to what we've already mentioned, is that he just doesn't look dangerous when he's taking defenders on in one-on-one situations. When Pedersen's at his best, it's not that he's necessarily flying by defenders in those spots, but he's able to make a lot of plays in high traffic despite it. Yeah, And... It just sort of feels like right now, A, he lacks the explosiveness with his with his skating. Look, we know he's not Connor McDavid, but he's still a lot of times able to, in the past, pick up steam and create, pull away, pull away stop up, um, pull up uh, off of an entry, create plays that way, and then rely on his cerebral vision. First of all, I don't think he's creating enough separation for himself mm. in the skating right now. And then secondly, in these high traffic situations when he doesn't have a lot of spot to maneuver the puck he's mishandling it a lot more than usual whereas mm. when he's at his best his stick handling is so precise and it feels like he can stick handle in a phone booth it does not matter how much pressure a defender is applying on him it doesn't matter how good a defender's gap control is when he's defending Pedersen on the rush when Pedersen's at his best he's still able to make plays in those situations and right now I see a combination of A, he just doesn't have the dynamic skating to separate and create space. And B, normally he might be able to overcome that with a stick handling. And right now it feels like he's just mishandling it, turning it over in spots that he doesn't normally do. There's obviously going to be a lot of discussion around this idea that, okay, if he's working through this undisclosed ailment, do you rest him at some point? It is interesting to sort of look at other situations around the league. I I, I just don't think stars like to take no. that break at all. I mean, no. Dave mentioned Kaprizov in Minnesota. That's been huge, and it's a massive reason why the Wild are struggling. But also Austin Matthews last year was working through his wrist injury. Did not look the same, especially in the first half of the season at all. And a lot of Leafs fans were clamoring, hey, the regular season doesn't even matter for us. It's the playoffs that are 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 what or or what's actually at stake here. Give him a break, shut him down. And Matthews just kept sort of playing. And then it was down the stretch when he finally started to look like himself again. Uh Connor McDavid right now. And of course, that's a little bit of a different situation mm-hmm. because the Oilers are desperate for points, but he missed he missed some time with injury. Clearly, I think returned a little bit too early and does not look like himself at all. Um, it just feels like stars don't like these things 
and he's also got a contract he's playing for. So I don't know. It's not an easy situation to navigate, but at the same time, when you do bring that up and referencing Kaprizov, there's also a point at which you go, if he's not really moving the needle, what's what's the point of having him sort of in the line lineup? At at some point, the risk to reward just isn't there compared to if you rest him and hopefully um, have him heal a little bit. The Canucks are playing a lot of hockey right now, and that obviously can't be good for whatever is affecting Elias Pettersson, but you you just brought up resting him. I was looking at the schedule to try to see if there was any stretch of games where it might make sense or where there is a game where you could say, okay, you're going to rest this game. I think it's next week. Like, I think next week is the Canucks' only chance to really get in front of this if they want to. Like, if he's still saying, I'm good to go, I'm good to go, but the Canucks want to say, you know what? This can't hurt you to have this little bit of rest. We're going to rest you. You've got to do it next weekend because what's happening next weekend is on Thursday, the Canucks play the Vegas Golden Knights. Thursday, November 30th, they play the Vegas Golden Knights. On the 2nd of December, they are in Calgary, but then they don't play again until the 5th when New Jersey is in town. Also note that I said in Calgary. So that's a one-game road trip, and you're playing the Calgary Flames. Look, I get it's hockey in Canada. I understand Elise Pettersson wants to play in every game if he's capable, right? But what we learned last night, Harmon, is that when he's not at his best, the Canucks are just not able to beat teams like the Colorado Avalanche, beat these really upper echelon teams. They're just not good enough to do it, and that's fine. The president of the team said at the start of the year, if everything goes perfectly, we have a playoff team. I'll tell you that Elias Pettersson putting up four points in his last seven games is not the definition of perfect. That is not good news for this hockey club right now. So if you're going to do it, sit him out on that Saturday game on the second. That's five days off for him to recover. He plays the Vegas game, plays against New Jersey on Tuesday. After the, new, after the Vegas game, you just come out. You say, hey, Pettersson's day-to-day. Everybody's going to freak out, but he's day-to-day, and you get to actually, for once, you get to have a player actually be day-to-day and then come back a few days later. It's not day-to-day, and then it's day-to-day a month later or whatever. Um, For Patterson, that's the only stretch of the schedule that I'm looking at where I can see, okay, this might make sense because there's basically an identical stretch the next weekend, but that Saturday game is against Carolina, and I don't think you want to be sitting Patterson against the Carolina Hurricanes. So I think if they're going to do it, the chances next week, like next week is your time to do it. If you're going to rest this player to give him an extra chance to heal, you're going to do that next week because there's no real break in the Canucks schedule until Christmas. And do you want another whole month of Elias Pedersen playing the way he is right now? I don't think so. Yeah, it's also tough for us to discuss this and have strong takes when we don't really know the extent of, of what's going on. Yeah, because really at all, if, if it were a groin injury, like does five days even help you? Like, and it's, let's say it's not groin, let's say it's wrist. Does five days really help you that much? Like, do, uh, in my mind, it can't hurt. But again, we don't know the whole situation. But and yeah, go on. And and while we are sort of, I think it's also important to clarify while we are discussing this idea of of what is he potentially playing through. Tuckett has, of course, referenced that he's playing. He's like earlier in the season that he's been playing through something undisclosed. He's been banged up. He's taken maintenance days. So, so this isn't a case of us looking at Patterson struggling, not looking like himself and then a reverse engineering. Oh, he must be hurt. Yeah, exactly. We this know. is something that the team, that the coaching staff is at least indirectly alluded to uh, themselves. Uh, big picture. I think it does tell you a lot about this team. We're, we're seeing a trend where, the best version of the Canucks requires Pedersen and Miller to be firing at their best at the same time. You think about the stretch, like I'm going season by season since the Canucks have had Pedersen and Miller. So in 2019, 20, they obviously make the playoffs, have the bubble run. Pedersen and Miller were both outstanding. That's a lot of line year. 2020, 21 season, the 56 game, all Canadian division year. Pedersen was totally out of sorts in the first half, went down with a wrist injury in the second half. Uh, JT also, that was probably one of his least effective seasons as a Canuck when you look at his point production two-way play as well. So neither of them were really going. And of course, Canucks really struggled that year. 2021-22, uh, JT Miller was a beast, had a 99-point season. But Pedersen, again, was really struggling, was 
awful in the first half of the season until finally picking it up through the last 30 games or so. And then last season, Pedersen was dominant. But guess what? For the first 50 games or so until Rick Tockett came in, JT Miller's two-way play was miserable. And now when you look at big picture, 20 games, how have the Canucks performed? Off to an excellent start. Well, guess what? For the most part, Miller and Pedersen have been dominant. Hmm. So I think... So it's like the first time that they've both been dominant as Since 2019-20, yeah. which, yeah. which was a really successful season for, um, for the team. So I think it just goes to show you that this team is going to go as far as Pedersen and Miller click at the same time, assuming, assuming of course, that Hughes and Demko uh, sure. hold up and, and play to their uh, potential as well. We mentioned Patrick Johnson's reporting earlier on uh, potential injuries for Pedersen. His latest article at the province just dropped and he, and it's quote, he suspected he's, de- it's a suspected he's dealing with a groin problem, maybe a wrist injury too, which would make sense because we saw last night, like he got thrown out of a couple draws, but he just, what, what did he, he didn't take like his first draw or Daniel Wagner had the stat, but basically like wasn't in the middle of the dots for a while there. And you haven't seen him just like do those inside out deeks, which would allude to a potential wrist injury or harm. You talked about like the separation earlier, which would allude to potentially the groin injury. So, you know, yeah, I, I was, I was looking into that face off thing. Patterson got thrown out of two face offs before that. And there was a lot of power play time. And obviously JT is yeah. going to take all the draws. So like I, again, I saw it from Wags. It was an interesting observation, but I, I'm not looking at that and saying, yeah, okay, this is proof that there's something wrong with the wrist. Like, Jay Patton is hit last week with us, even said, like, Petey's out there taking taking face-off practice. Like, he's choosing to go do this. Extra so, drills. Extra drills. I just, I, I, I again, Grady, thank, thanks for that chime in uh, about PJ's article. I, I don't know if it's the wrist. It might be. We don't know what it is, but I just, I don't know. Like, it's something to keep an eye on, but that face-off one last night, I just, the, the context there matters, I think. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Uh, okay. Anything else on Pedersen? I had a few things. Like, I wrote down so much because I just I, I was thinking about this quite a bit. And like, the the one thing that I should also mention, and I'm sure people know this, is I think the reason we're talking about this is not only the low point totals in the last seven games, but this is the first time this season Pedersen's gone more than two games without registering a point. And one of those games against San Jose, like they played the San Jose Sharks, and Elias Pedersen didn't get a point. And I lost daily face-off Survivor Fantasy because of it. Anyways. Not Frank did too. Yeah, so did, so did a lot of people. Anyways. Um, yeah, the, the thing I wonder the most is just we don't know what the injury is. So, I know we mentioned this, but, like, who knows if this can even be fixed with a quick rest? And if it can't, like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, you don't want it to keep getting worse, right? Yeah. I but just, also, the one know. thing we want to be careful about, too, is... Yes, he struggled recently. Last, I mean, several games for sure, especially five on five. But there's also an element of recency bias because overall, you look at the 20-game sample and he's probably still been, unless you want to argue, I mean, JT Miller, you could you could make the case for him, but over 20 games, he's still been arguably the team's best forward. Yep. Not just in terms of what he's done offensively, but even the five on five sort of two A numbers for the season as a whole, they've definitely slipped lately, which yep. is why we're having this conversation. Exactly. But for the season as a whole, yes, they're not at the dominant level that we're used to seeing from Pedersen, but they're still, for instance, they're still significantly better than the Miller lines as numbers. This is this is still a player that when he's on the ice on for the this, season, on the not season, lately. Yeah, okay, okay. On the season, sure, yeah. the Canucks have been out shooting and out chancing their opponents. And I want, and I also wonder, other parts of the lineup have also had, um, you know, uh, we've talked a lot about the PDO bender. I also wonder how much of it is. Well, the Pedersen line has has absolutely come back down to earth in a huge way in terms of how many of their shots and chances they are converting on. Because lately in the last few games, Kuzmenko, for example, has had some good looks and he's missed the type of chances he normally buries. So I wonder how much the perception 
would be like it'd still be something we'd be noticing, observing that hey, Patterson and Kuzmenko don't look right. They don't look effective, and certainly the underlying numbers of the last handful of games back that up. But I wonder if we would if it wouldn't be as alarming if Kuzmenko, for example, was finishing some of the chances that we're used to seeing him finish. If only. Like if only. I I I again I, I feel like I need to talk about it more. I really I've really not been impressed with Kuzmenko lately. Like either end of the ice, the defensive game we knew isn't fantastic, but offense is just every time the puck touches a stick, you can bank on the play dying. It's crazy. Like it's 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 bananas right now. What we're seeing, like, has he created any offense in the last five games? Like 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 him himself carrying the puck in, making a smart play past the red line. Once, like, can you think of one instance? Like, I can't. I know I'm being a little dramatic right now, but like, my goodness, you're not. This is not what you want to see from Andre Kuzmenko, and I, I don't know how much longer of a leash he gets. To be quite honest with you, on that line, but I don't think there's much of a better answer. Like, you're. We didn't even talk about PDG. Like, he had a bad game as well. Anthony Beauvillier, who looks like he's playing well right now. Good article right now over at CanucksArmy.com where Jeff Patterson spoke with Beauvillier. I don't know. Like, Bovili is probably replacing PDG. So who goes up to replace Kuzmenko? Like, Connor Garland? No, you're not going to break up that exactly. line. He's been driving the, the bottom six. There was a funny tweet that um, Chester Ming had. Grady, can you uh, bring, bring that up, please? It, um, it was sort of alluding to Bovillier and Garland and, and Joshua and, and all these types. Chester said the Canucks' PDO regression is basically watching Bluga, Garland, Joshua, and Bovillier generate a billion scoring chances a game and never scoring. That's that's true. It's so true. Can you run it? the numbers on that, Harmon? Is that accurate? Man, by the way, speaking of PDO, their PDO is ninety five point eight in the last seven games in which they've gone three and four. So now they they went from being lucky to now categorically unlucky. Yes. That's that's the Canucks, baby. That's the Canucks. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Then it is time for anyone else. Great, start getting these in the chat here. Uh, presented by our friends at DoorDash. It's our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters, nation and the numbers two five offer valid in Canada. So change terms do apply. Okay, we've got a few in here. Uh, the first one from Jeremy Lee. Anyone else? Do you believe in load management in hockey? We so rarely see it. We see it embraced, I think, too much by leagues like the NBA. I know the NBA is like cracking down on it right now, but like a few years ago, when there was all that load management stuff, I think it was even happening last year. Um, 
yeah, Kawhi I, Leonard. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard is a good example. I, I think you do see it with goaltenders. I mean, yeah. back in the day, you know, play back to back. Sometimes you would get three and four if you so dare. Um, certain players, I think some of the older veterans in the league that, uh, you know, you can kind of um, some sometimes with a younger player, like you want to kind of make them earn it, so to speak. But uh, I think I think it I think it exists definitely not as frequent as as other sports but i think we need to see it more with the superstars grady like like you just brought up a good point like especially about the young guys how often do we see like a bottom six player or a bottom pairing defenseman get swapped out in a back-to-back and it's just like oh yeah we're just giving him the night off we want to get get this guy a look like i think you need to see it a little bit more with the stars there's and look this is hockey and in hockey we all know this there is a culture of playing through whatever's ailing you. And while that's respectable to some extent, you also need to be playing at your best for most of the season. So like, again, in the context of Elias Patterson, again, we don't know what the injury is. So it's hard to just have these strong takes about it. But if capital letters, if you can rest for five days by missing one game and get back closer to who you really are as a player by missing one game, you have to do it. Like you have to. Yeah, I, I get what you mean in terms of when we're having this conversation about load, load manager. First of all, I think Grady's bang on in that it's massive for goaltenders. We're clearly seeing mm-hmm. that trend with starters in a more even split between the, the number one and the number two. With superstars, it's interesting. I agree that if a guy is ailing through something like whether it was Matthews last year or, or Kaprizov right now that maybe you should be more inclined to give those guys some rest. But if, if, if the guys are healthy, I I honestly don't think that there needs to be much of a difference in terms of load management, just because the, the margins are too fine in the NHL. This isn't uh this isn't like the NBA where if you have a strong team on paper, you can just sleepwalk your way through the regular season. I but, mean, look at Colorado mm-hmm. last year, right? Colorado, for example, I'm sure they would have loved to, not lean on McKinnon, McCarr, Taves, Rantanen so heavily, but they were so banged up that they had no other depth and they, they they just had to play the wheels off those guys and they were fighting in mid-January just to get into a playoff spot. And I think if you ha- if your team has the depth, you can kind of scale back ice time for certain players and that can be like in-game load yes. management There's, especially that's a great point Grady. especially if you have a you know a condensed schedule um but yeah rotating in you know that's why you see teams travel sometimes with like an extra d-man on the road right is that they just want to the guys banged up or you're, you know feeling not up to par then you bring a guy in yeah i think i think a guy like quinn hughes would uh, revolt if you told him yeah second leg of a back yeah. back you're not playing buddy just yeah exactly just take, the, just take the night off that's the other thing is players don't like that especially like there was the this was a joke i th- i can't remember who tweeted it but shout out to the person who tweeted it that i read we heard that elias patterson was banged up right before the san jose game it came out that he was a little banged up and had the maintenance day it's like yeah if you think elias patterson is taking that san jose game off i think he got four points in that game <laughs> if you think he was taking that game off in a contract year yeah. you are kidding yourself this is a good one here uh from mother knucker 22 careful quads careful. I, hey he said knuck it might be time to sit pdg for someone like pods or baines who can slot in on the fourth line while bovillier or hoaglander move up i think that's a great take i don't know if it's time just yet we'll ask dave hall next week too bad he's whoa, not here anymore whoa, whoa. but whoa, whoa uh, sorry Arshdeep Baines bumping up to a fourth line role? Like you don't think he could do that right now? Uh, why can't PDG PDG is a totally good fourth line player? Sure, but right now Baines bringing up the points. If he has more offensive upside, don't you want that more in your bottom six? If he's bringing the same thing on the four check and on the walls, which I don't know if he is yet. I don't I, know if he is. I don't think he's. I think as he'll, good in those areas. You're though. right. I think he might be able to get there by next year though. Because I don't think you need to rush like Baines. Let him. Sure. Like there's inevitably going to be injuries. Yep. The same sure. way there are on the uh, there is on the blue line right now. The same way there's going to be with your forwards when those injuries strike. Yeah, Bain should be that guy. Sure. He deserves that opportunity. He should get an NHL look this year. But I don't think you need to take Di Giuseppe out of lineup when he's a type of player that's actually better suited. I'd argue for a fourth line right. role right. than Baines or Pod Colson is. 
Well, yeah, definitely not Pod Colson. Uh, you definitely aren't bringing up Pod Colson to play in a fourth line role. I think that's been the number one thing that's pissed us off about Pod Colson and his deployment is just like, you're playing well. Here's a shot in the top six. Oh, two games in the top six and you didn't play well. Here's a healthy scratch mixed in with some bottom six time. But then, now you started playing well again. Okay, back to the top six. Yeah, and just he's juggling balls everywhere. Yeah, the guy can't find any regular deployment. So I think the take Faber had before he went corporate was leave Pod Colson in the AHL all season long, do not call this guy up, basically under any circumstances. Let him play all year in the AHL. Let him come up next year and see what he's capable of. Okay, this one from Oz Nuck. This is a good one. After last night with Manson, etc., could we be seeing the development of a new rivalry with the Avs? When these teams meet in the Western Conference Final this year, I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> we might be we might be seeing a little uh rivalry brew. I thought that was hilarious, Manson doing the yeah, that was theatrics that was of, of Besser snapping his head back. But I don't know. Like I was surprised that was a five minute major. Me too. And I yeah. think man, I think everybody what did you, was. I was just gonna say, what did you guys think of that overall? I, I think Brock sold it a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah okay. Like how, <laughs> great discussion, guys. <laughs> no, but you see defensemen in front of the net like get their stick up, cross check to gain body position. And Manson's a big dude, right? And he's just kind of you know, trying to get, make it sure. So Brock can't get behind him. And it just so happens when he gets a stick up, it's like right in Brock's chops and he's, he went down rather easily. So um, yeah, it, it was great three theatrics in the box. And just to the rivalry point, I think, I think we're going to need a playoff series before we get to that level. Western conference yeah. final, by the way, I think it's hilarious. Clearly the refs on the ice probably agreed that Manson didn't deserve the major because have we ever had a situation when a team has been awarded a five-minute power play and the other team is the only one that had a partial power play in that five-minute stretch? I, I genuinely don't know. I don't know. That's I would be cr- very curious crazy. on the stat on that because that was a crazy sequence. I tried to like write it down in the stanchies after the game, and I was trying to remember what happened, and I'm looking at the game log, and I'm just like, wait, this was a penalty, this was a penalty... And then, I, yeah, it hit me that there was no power play time on that five-minute power play, which obviously hurt the Canucks. Let's, you know, yeah. we, when we break down the game, we also should bring that up. That obviously didn't help the Canucks. I don't know. Like, the officiating was a gong show in that yeah, second it period. Was. It just ruined the vibe. And Ten penalties in the game, eight of them called in the second the period. The first period was so electric. Yeah. It was so entertaining. It looked like a classic. looked like an instant classic game. The kind of thing you'd want to see in the Western Conference final, one might say. <laughs> and in the second period, the refs just totally... I thought they ruined the game. Yeah. But, but the counter to that is the Canucks didn't do enough on their power play. Right? Sure, like, but I, I'm saying we, for both sides. Like, yeah. I'm not even just saying for yeah, the Canucks. But, but, guys, bad officiating in sports has been there since the beginning, and it's not going to go away. And at some point, like, you have to control what you can control, and that is going out either getting a strong kill or going out and producing on the power play. Yes, the referee should be better. But, you know, it's the low-hanging fruit to blame officiating for an outcome of a game. I, I mean, that's totally fair. I agree with you. But I'm sure both of us weren't saying that in relation to the Canucks losing. Yeah. We weren't saying that officiating was bad and that, oh, it cost the Canucks. Yeah. Because We're that's not just, hearing it. I, thought, <laughs> oh, I just saw a lot of that on Twitter last night. Like, yeah. people constantly yeah. blaming the officiating. Yeah. yeah so. the officiating and it was, wasn't great. Let's, let's make that clear. But. It was bad yeah. for both teams. When is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That That's kind of my point. It was here. more disappointing from the sense of it ruined what was such a fantastic opening 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we were talking about. When you get to the Western Conference Final, you're going to see more yeah, like of course. that opening 20 minutes. Well, okay. you just wait till the refs put their whistles away. Andrew Nudskov. This is a fantastic contribution. Get ready for this heater, Harmon. It's coming your way. Yeah. DeSmith. Garland and Hoaglander for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Oh, I don't know. Proposal Ryan, season. Ryan Nugent Hopkins cap hit looks really attractive. So that's what this is. <laughs> Go is ahead. This NHL be a GM mode. Well, the, the Oilers need a goaltender. They, they have to trade with Columbus. Steve Dangle tweeted out today, too. They have to trade with Columbus. But if they trade with Vancouver, you're getting Ryan Nugent Hopkins back. You're shoring you up that center not, depth. You would not. You would not get a successful 
like tr- Edmonton would not accept that in rookie mode of be a GM mode. The, the people at our chat are saying that's a lot. That's too much. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is overrated. People at our chat don't like it from the Canucks perspective. Wait, so sorry. It was DeSmith. DeSmith, Garland, and Niels Hoaglander for Ryan Nugent that's Hopkins. That's not a serious trade proposal. No. That is not serious. <laughs> the, the people at our chat don't like it for the Canucks. That's of course not. But here's the thing. Edmonton needs a legit goaltender. They can't just bring a backup in. Like I've seen all this talk. They should get like Mountain Ball from uh, Montreal. Like, Spencer Martin. No, that's not going to solve their issues. Like they need a workhorse back there. New that's why they signed Jack Campbell. Look at the case Sorry. of Smith's numbers. Just send that to Ken Hall and say, check this guy out. New Julie makes 5.125 million. Exactly. Which is why it's a great trade for the Canucks, I think. I don't know why you guys hate this trade. Interdivision so trade? No. Uh, it's fantasy land. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. 912 save percentage. Best save percentage of any goaltender in Edmonton this season. In all seriousness, though, we're not going to get into the Oilers too much, but holy cow, they need to do something. They fired the coach. That gave them one win, and then it fell flat. Like, it obviously wasn't Jay Woodcroft, but we always say that, and then usually the new coach bump usually lasts a little longer. First of all, it wasn't Jay Woodcroft's fault. He gets fired. And immediately the Oilers fall back flat on their face. Like I've never, I, I can't think of a time when that's happened where the coach has been fired and the new coach bump lasts like what one or two games. And then the team goes on a three game skid. Like my goodness. Yeah. This is why they need to hire Bruce Boutros. Oh you, yeah. Me too. Okay. I thought this will just, yeah, go on. We can wrap up with this from uh, grim studio here on YouTube. Who do you play in net for the back-to-back? Casey DeSmith, both games showcase him for the Oilers. Whoa. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, you go Thatcher Demko against the Kraken, and then you go DeSmith against the Sharks, I think. I think you want your best guy when you're trying to bounce back against the Kraken. That's just my take. What do you think, Harm? Yeah, I agree. I like that idea. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to our uh, Betway bet of the day here, Grady. Uh, it's a football bet. There's no hockey on. We, we're watching football uh, right now. This looks like the Dallas Cowboys. And the Washington oh. W's oh. football team. No. No, Commanders. no, 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 Commanders. There you Yay, go. Okay, go. one nothing harm for, this, <laughs> for the football <laughs> trivia tomorrow. Um, the oh. Washington W's. No, yeah, well, I keep, they don't have their name. Dallas, I knew, is the Cowboys. They're football team. They, no. had a, they had a name change. I don't even remember their old name, but they had a name change. I don't, I don't remember it. I feel like we can't say it on the show if it was named. If it was a name Cultural change. inappropriation. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Anyways. Yeah. But they uh, went to the football team, and then they went to the Commanders. They were the football team. Yeah, yeah, the Washington football team. Commanders is not a great name, though. I Especially mean, if that's why is their logo a W? Washington, Washington. So that's like the Canucks being the I Canucks. Mean, is it the orca shaped in a C? Yeah. For Canucks, the orca is not shaped in a V. Or that's like the, the millionaire had a. That's like the millionaire's logo just being a V. It doesn't even say Washington in the W. Or come at, like that's the laziest logo of all time. Harm, we need to show Quadrelli the Cleveland Browns what they do. <laughs> no, I know the Cleveland helmets. Browns logo. It's a uh, helmet, orange helmet. <laughs> Nailed exactly. it. Exactly. Look at me. Off to a hot start for the football quiz, which will actually take place. Oh, yeah, we got a bet here. Our football trivia with Wyatt Art is going to happen tomorrow. But first, our Betway Bet of the Day, it's another football bet. I'm riding with my New York Jets once again. Because <laughs> that went so well for you last week. That's right. Uh, our Betway Bet of the Day, <laughs> the New York Jets to wait on the money line over the Miami Dolphins at plus 375 odds. A $10 bet returns you 47.50. Must be 19 plus to play. <laughs> I think choose to play. Please play responsibly. This is not actual betting advice, folks. I think people would make a lot of money if they inversed all your football <laughs> bets. Hey, maybe maybe that's Fade a strategy. quads. Maybe that's a strategy. Maybe Do the opposite. Strategy. Although, another Betway bet of the day hit last night. That's right. That's, that's right. Harm, you don't want to mention yeah. that one, huh? You only mentioned no, no. the losses. No, no. Harmon respects my, my hockey uh, I res- vibes. And I do. The only reason I made fun of you for that yesterday was not because I disagreed with the bet. I just made fun or I laughed and made fun of it because you picked the same bet. That's right. Basically two two games in a row. Which but it's working. It's working. That's right. That's right. That's our And you just knew day. Quinn was going to bring it. Now, he didn't look his best last night, but still finished with four shots. So. Absolutely. 
they can't afford to trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins with how often they stack McDavid and Drysaddle. Although I yeah, feel they like already they have depth issues. Are we seriously discussing this? Come like on, guys. It. I like it. Well, okay. What would, take, what, would take, the what would it take to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins out of Edmonton if you're the Canucks? Patrick Demko. They'd ask for Demko, and you would not do that if you're the Canucks. No, you wouldn't. So you think or, that, that's, or, or that's or where the want, deal starts? Or they would. You can't w- structure anything around Casey to Smith. No. Throw in Seelovs. He's been playing well. They they would love the Seelovs would probably start for the Oilers right now. You wouldn't get Ryan Nugent Hopkins for him. I'm like face palming right now. <laughs> sure, you wouldn't get Ryan Nugent Hopkins for Arthur Seelovs, but maybe if Edmonton throws in a first quads, you're not <laughs> serious. Okay. Too much we'll EA sports there. for you, my we'll friend. We'll close it out there. I still hate this logo. I can't get over this. This is horrible. It's just a W. It's, I actually like the color scheme. It looks though. like origami. It looks like they folded I paper. Actually, I actually think it looks kind of slick. The color the scheme looks cool. Sure. That's what color it looks nice. <laughs> I was about to say, it looks effing dope. And <laughs> caught myself. From, there you uh, go. It's just, it's just a W. Like, look at our beautiful logo behind us. <laughs> what if it was just the letter C and the letter A? Can we go through all 32 teams and you just rate them? <laughs> I think we'll save that for tomorrow. Them. I think tomorrow will be a uh, tomorrow will be our football episode. Uh, we'll we'll have some Canuck stuff as well, but obviously Wyatt Arndt is going to join us, and it's that much much anticipated football quiz. So you can be sure to look forward to that. But for now, we're signing off for my co-host Harmon Dial, our technical producer Grady Sauce. Our thanks again to Dave Hall for joining us. My name is Dave Woodrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 